0: It's possible as possible with God. Let the church say Amen this morning. What a blessing to be here and to to hear His word, to sing the praises to our King, guys. Uh, it's it's a it's a wonderful thing, wonderful thing. Turn to Acts chapter ten. That's where we're going to be out of this morning, and I, I want us to uh, continue with that thought uh, as we're picking up here. We see a story that is told of a centurion. His name Cornelius. I don't know what rhymes with that, but something surely does, right? But uh, Cornelius, he, he hears from the Lord and he sends some guys to go get a guy by the name of Peter. And Peter ends up coming and preaching the gospel to a bunch of Gentiles. And those Gentiles come to Jesus. That's the gist of the story this morning. But I, I want us to look at this account and I want us to apply that to our own lives. The power of the gospel is available to the church today. Amen. We have the ability to preach the gospel. We have the ability to be people who tell the good news. And guys, we should be guilty of sharing that good news each and every day. Because it's in those words that people can be changed. It's not something we should keep to ourselves. I believe it was Charles Spurgeon who once said that he had a really hard time believing that people had experienced the gospel if they kept it to themselves that the gospel is meant to be shared. It's meant to be to to be told to those people that need to hear it. And in Acts chapter 10, we pick up there at verse 34. uh, Peter had had a vision. The Lord had kind of clarified some stuff in Peter's mind of who is to hear the gospel, what was clean, what was unclean. But in verse 34, Peter stands up and he proclaims the good news to a bunch of people who needed to hear that good news. So Peter opened his mouth and he said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears Him and does what is right is acceptable to Him. As for the word that He sent to Israel, preaching the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, He is Lord of all. You yourselves know that what happens throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaims, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all of this, that he did both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem, they put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one anointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing him speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain. For some days. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you for your words, and we know without a shadow of a doubt, God, that your message is still clear to lost people and to believers today. Father, I pray today that you would speak to our heart, that you would encourage the saints of your church here to go forth and to proclaim the gospel. And Lord, I pray for those in this place who may not know you, that Lord, that today they will hear your call for repentance and for salvation. Thank you for. Such a good word that we have to preach today. In your most holy name, amen. I look at this and I, and I think about some key characters in this story. Uh, again, as you're reading the entirety of the chapter, we see where uh, uh, this, this centurion, he, he stay, he's at home one day and the Lord speaks to him. Uh, and we know one thing about uh, this centurion is that he was a devout man who prayed a lot and God spoke to him. And, and he's, he's encouraged by the Lord to say, Hey, send some people out. Send some people out to go, uh, to get this guy by the name of Peter, who's staying with a guy named Simon. I want you to, to send him out so that more people may be able to know about Jesus Christ. And he does that. Now, how many times are you praying and God tells you to do something and you do it? <laughs> I think a lot of times we're probably on the other end of that spectrum. The Lord tells us to do something and we don't do it. The Lord lays someone on your heart and you don't tell them about Jesus. The Lord tells you to do something in the, by the power of the gospel and you just kind of sit in your in your comfortable chair and you just hang out. Well, I'm really thankful that that Cornelius sends the word out but because of that obedience. A whole lot of people get to hear about Jesus because Peter, who as we go through the chapter there the Lord had to clarify some stuff with Peter because Peter was a devout Jew, amen? And he had some probably some prejudice, so a little bit of misunderstanding. And, and, and of course, Peter has this vision as you're reading through there that there's a sheet that's let down out of heaven and there's all these unclean animals. And, and the Lord says, hey, that stuff's not unclean. And then he goes and he preaches to people who by Jewish standards are unclean. And maybe they're not even deserving of the gospel. But there's a clarification that occurs here, and I don't know if you guys have noticed, but every time that a Gentile this far has given their life to Jesus, the church had to show up to make sure. Right? You see this? You see that the the uh, when when the the Jews the Jews showed up to see the Samaritans who gave their life to Jesus, they wanted to make sure that okay, is this all on the up and up? Right? And then when you get here, uh, the Jews were there to verify, to see, you know what, this is a movement of God. And I believe in this moment we see that all of a sudden, it's not just Jews who can proclaim and be saved by the gospel, but it's all people. There's a realization that occurs here. And Peter, from this moment forward, you see where he just proclaims the gospel to whoever. He proclaims the gospel to all those around the world. Unclean foods. I mean, we're not just talking about, you know, You know, cranberry sauce or something like that. You know, it's not, uh, that's not the only unclean foods that we're talking about this morning, right? We're not talking about those kinds of things. We're talking about, for them, it was religiously unclean, right? It was something that you couldn't even look at, couldn't even touch. But God said, you know what? I want you to go and and just understand that there's nothing unclean that I call clean. Today, the gospel reaches all people. How many of us today have been touched by the gospel message. And I, I would venture to say that most of us in here do not have any lineage that ties us to being Jews this morning. I would say that most of us in this place this morning are Gentile by definition. And guess what? That gospel is for you. But maybe we're not so much stuck on this whole Jew versus Gentile thing. We've, we've been exposed to the gospel. We've seen the work of the gospel around the globe. But i would venture to say that we probably at time from time to time we do build up prejudices as to who who is to hear the gospel and who's not well no that's truly not something i believe daniel i believe all people are to hear yes but we in our minds we allow prejudices we allow uh ways of thinking to keep us reaching certain people and they may just be people within your household they may be family members They might be that neighbor next door that you've known for a long time, but all of a sudden you're just not convicted enough to go tell them about Jesus. And what we know by this story is, is that the gospel is for all people and the message of the gospel is powerful. Amen. It changes even the vilest of sinners. You, you and I would be without hope if we had not heard the gospel message. And if I, if, If we were to be looking at this, some, some points of the message of the gospel that I want us to pull from this, um, starting there in verse 34, the first thing I would say today is that the message of the gospel is a message for all. I don't know if our notes aren't working this morning or what, but the message of the gospel is the message for all. So if you're writing notes this morning, I want you to write that down. If you're not writing notes, I want you to get a pen out and write this down, okay? Because it's important. Because I think a lot of times we're thinking, oh my goodness, um, you know, what, what am I to do as a Christian? You are to proclaim the gospel. And I don't want you just to be thinking, well, maybe maybe you've lost it over the years. Maybe you've just lost that zeal for the gospel. Maybe, you, maybe you've lost that first love. We'll get back to that core message of who Jesus is. Get back to that core message of what the gospel really is. The gospel is powerful enough to save people. And that point that we first want to make this morning is that the message of the gospel is a message for all. Now, I want you just to wipe out any preconceived notions. Well, it's not the people down the street. It's not that person that offended me. The gospel message you may need to be proclaiming may need to be to someone who hurts your feelings. It may need to be to someone that's been really mean to you. Someone who's really hurt you bad. And several years ago, I had a guy back into my car and drove off. And I knew who did it, right? Knew who did it. But I knew also that he needed Jesus. So he backed into my car. and I'm just like, okay, whatever. It was a really fancy Oldsmobile. There's some like, you know, for some reason the Lord keeps blessing me with like grandpa cars. And I had one several years ago and it was an Oldsmobile and it got backed into. And I thought, man, I, how can this guy back in and just drive off? Well, some years go by and I had the opportunity to share the gospel with this young man and he gave his life to Jesus. And in that moment, this is the cool thing. In that moment, he was married, had three kids, and now they're all in church and serving the Lord. You see what I'm saying? That sometimes Daniel could have been very much a person who said, you know what? You backed into my vehicle. I'm not going to tell you about Jesus. And by the way, that's a work of God in me because normally that's how I would act. <laughs> this That's how I would i would approach it as a human. From my, my fleshly standards, I would approach it that way, as most of us would, amen? We hold grudges. We do that. But the gospel is not intended to be held back ever. It's a message for all people. I, I want you to think about something this morning. Um, when you look into the history of this man by the name of Paul, you guys know who Paul is? You've heard about him. We've been talking a little bit about Paul. But Paul, he's a he's a proclaimer of the gospel and going into like his third missionary journey. He, he has this buddy that's going along with him. His name's uh, Trophimus. What a cool name, right? If, I, if we were going to have another kid, I would call him Trophimus. But Trophimus is is a buddy of his, who's a Gentile. Uh his official name was Trophimus of Ephesus. It rhymes. He was a poet, and he didn't know it, okay? So Trophimus of Ephesus, he he's he's hanging out with Paul, and Paul one day, uh they're in they're in the uh, the big town of Jerusalem, he says, "Hey, come to come to church with me. Come to temple with me." And so he goes to temple and Paul doesn't leave him back there where all the Gentiles normally stand. Paul doesn't leave him where normally all the women would stand, but he brings him right there where all the Jewish men would stand. And by modern standards, that, that would just be a terrible thing to do, I guess. I don't know what standards we have like that today, but, um, but by the standards of the time, it was, it was something that was worthy of death. And so Paul ends up being imprisoned and Chophimus is kind of the cause of it because he took a a Gentile into worship in a holy place, right? And he takes him into that place. Well, what we know is that in Ephesians, there's an interesting thing that happens here. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus from prison shortly after being imprisoned about being partial and how God is not partial to, to just one person or one group of people. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, we know that, that Paul writes, For though and for through him we have access in one spirit to the Father, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, and Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you're also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the spirits. You know, Paul's writing this, I, I, when you think about the, the entirety of the, of the, of the story here, Paul's in prison for breaking down these religious laws. He's taking Gentiles and taking them into a house of worship, and that's a no-no. And then you get into the book of Ephesians, and all of a sudden, the book of Ephesians comes alive to us, because we're like, Paul's writing this from experience. His, his deep, hearted, deep-seated belief is that all people can come to God. You don't have to just be a Jew. You don't have to just be a Baptist. You don't have to just be a Republican or Democrat. All people can come to Jesus. And, and he's writing that with conviction in Ephesians, that there's nothing that separates us, that God has, has opened it up for all people, that like Jesus, through his death on the cross, has opened it up for everyone. And guys, we have got to get past the point in American society that we only minister to certain people. There, there are some churches that the only people they minister to are maybe in foreign mission fields, and that's great. I'm glad that we reach out to people in other places. But I also believe that churches are placed where they're placed order that people might hear the good news. And when I think about McLeod, Oklahoma, you think there are people here that need to hear about Jesus? Come on now. Are we convicted? Are we really living out the fact that we believe that the message of the gospel is a message for all people? Because it should be. It should be for all people. Matthew Henry writes that by the light of nature, we see God as a God above us. Okay, He says by the light of the law, we see Him as a God who's against us. But by the light of the gospel, we see Him as Emmanuel, God with us. We don't view God through just law. We don't view God just through nature. We view God as a God who came to be our propitiation, to be our salvation, to be the one that saved us from our sins. That's who your God is today, church. And that message is for everyone. So that opens us up to thinking about, well, who do we reach out to? It's everyone. Don't just keep it to yourself. You know, that may be that may be people here within the very community. It might be city councilors, right? It could be the postmaster. It could be uh, maybe the restaurant people folks down here. Maybe it could be the, the, the police officers. Maybe it could be that very neighbor who lives next door to you. We open up the gospel to all people. We look for opportunities to share the gospel, the good news, because the message is for all people. And I keep saying that this morning, but church, I believe it's important. There's a good number here this morning, but you know what? I believe God, would He would desire and He would like to see this place filled two, three, four times over. If we look at the population in McLeod, Oklahoma, we could do that. But maybe the church isn't just, maybe we're just not doing what we need to be doing. Maybe we're really not getting out there and working hard like we should be. Which, I'm glad that you're here setting in a pew this morning, but God's calling us more than just setting in a pew. He's not calling us just to come here and feel all comfortable, you know. You know, you guys got all cleaned up this morning. Hopefully you took a shower, you know, kind of straightened up a little bit, brushed your teeth, combed your hair, you know, put on some nice duds. You came and you sat in these beautiful, beautiful seats in this wonderful sanctuary. And the temperature is not too hot. It's not too cold. It's just perfect. The worship is great. The preaching is awesome because your pastor is amazing, right? Everything is perfect. But guys, God is calling us to more than this. just this right here. I think about ministries that happen within the church, and I don't want anybody here to get offended because I'm not preaching at you, but if it offends you, so be it, okay? Everybody with me on that? I'm not here to make you mad, but if it makes you mad, it makes you mad, and I'm sorry. But I think about ministries that happen within the church. For instance, Wednesday nights, everybody say, oh no, here it comes. Wednesday nights, we have a wonderful worship service here every Wednesday night where we pray and we get into the Word of God. It's good. The Word is so good. But there's not many here. There's not many people here. Why is that? Oh, I know. Some people work. I get it. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about you people that are just sitting at home with your feet up saying, oh, this is good to be home. I get it. I would like to be home sometimes too. Probably everybody else that's here. Probably everyone else that's here. I think about the the youth ministry. We have a need for people to show up and to help and to be fellow disciples of these young people, or maybe in CAs to be people who come and, and to, to invest into them. You see what I'm saying? I, I think a lot of us, and I bring this to a point, I don't want you to feel guilty, and I don't want to guilt you into coming to Wednesday night. If you don't want to be here, don't come, okay? But at the same time, I believe that God is calling us to be looking outside the scope of what we maybe normally do because of the gospel's for all people. And maybe, just maybe, God is calling us to deepen our relationship with Him, which I think He is, to devote more time to serving Him. And I know Wednesday night is not the only time, but if not then, when? Are there other times that God may be wanting to use you in the community? I, I imagine so. I'm pretty sure we could, we could do other things within the community that aren't just on Wednesday night. But I think it goes back to the point. If we believe the messages for all, then we ought to live with such conviction. Amen. We should. Sunday morning is not the only time. The second thing I would say this morning is that the message of the gospel is a message of grace. And Daniel, you're not being very graceful to us this morning. You're calling us out for not being here on a Wednesday night. Okay. But the message of the gospel is a message of grace. In other words, it's a good news for you and I today. It's a message of grace. Do we deserve it? I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. There's none of us that deserve it. I think what we have to understand, and maybe in America somewhere, we feel like it's it's something that you and I deserve. It's something that God has to do for us. He doesn't have to do it. Well, God, you know, I, I deserve, I deserve to be saved today. You don't deserve to be saved. If anything, we're, we're without hope. When you look at this passage of scripture here, you know, uh, Peter's saying, you know what? I understand there's no partiality. But then he talks about Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, who, who went around and he was doing good and he helped those who were oppressed by the devil. He helped those who were, who were having a hard time. He showed grace to people, did he not? Whenever, whenever Jesus talked harsh, it was always to the religious folks. Every time. You never see him jumping on, you know, prostitutes. You never see him jumping on people who were dealing with sin. He always jumped on the people who thought they had it all together. Those clean elitists who were just like, you know what? We got everything going good. Jesus approached those who needed grace with grace. And what our community needs, what our world needs is grace. We we need to be doing that. And the message of the gospel is grace. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. But at the same time, here's the thing, church. If we're not preaching it at all, that's not very graceful. If you as a believer in Jesus Christ do not tell someone about Jesus, that's not very nice. Let's equate it to this. Let's say you're walking down the street, big town in McLeod, Oklahoma, right? And you see a house on fire, and you and you can kind of through the window, you can see people just kind of laying on the couch asleep. sleep. They don't know their house is on fire, but you see the house is on fire, and you're just like, "Oh man, that's terrible!" And you keep walking. What kind of person are you? You know, if you just like say, "Well, I hope they make it. I hope the heat wakes them up. I, I hope the the you know the I hope the the gases from the flames wakes them up." That's not gonna happen. They're just continu- They're gonna continue in their sleep. But spiritually speaking, there are people around here whose houses are on fire. And we just walk by daily and we just say, oh, well, I hope they make it. I'll pray for you. I'll be lifting you up in prayer. No, we need to be a church who's proactive and we're going out and we're working the gospel. Because it's a graceful thing. It's a graceful thing. And it's, it's, it's a thing that's for all people. The last thing I would say this morning also in regards to the message of the gospel, it's a message for all. It's a message of grace. The last thing I would say is it's powered by the Holy Spirit. Some of you today may be saying, I'm not good at preaching, Daniel. I'm not either. (laughs) I'm not good at preaching, Daniel. I'm not good at, at talking to people. I'm not good at relaying what God has done for me. We better get good at it. We need to be people who are well accustomed to sharing Our testimony. We need to be people who are well accustomed to sharing what Jesus has done for us and who Jesus is. If you struggle with that today, here, I want to, I want to challenge you. If you struggle with sharing Jesus with people, come talk to me. Does everybody hear me? If you struggle with that, come talk to me. Because, hey, I I want us to, I want us to come together. You know, some of you men get together and y'all go fishing. And it sounds like some of y'all are really good fishermen and some of y'all are not good fishermen, right? Some of y'all catch fish and some of you don't. But you come together anyways, right? The, month, the monthly, uh, we, we come together and we do the men's breakfast. Some of y'all are really good cooks and some of y'all make your wives cook, okay? Because you're a terrible cook. But when we come together, we, we learn. You know, I, I, I make this comment all the time. I learned how to make gravy at a men's brotherhood breakfast growing up. I'm sure I was terrible at nine years old. But I learned how to make gravy there. And I think spiritually speaking, we need each other. And we need to be toiling together. It's not just about writing a check or being happy that we send out missionaries, but it's about each and every member of this church being an active proclaimer of the gospel. Does everybody hear that this morning? Our church will continue to grow when we all continue to do the work of the gospel. Which, by the way, I love you guys. Everybody say, oh. Our pastor loves us. I do love you. But I, I love you so much I'm not going to hold back truth. Or I'm maybe I'm not going to hold back saying things that might just make you mad. That's okay. I'm making Daniel mad this morning too, by the way. I don't always do what I'm supposed to do. But all of this that we talk about this morning, the, the gospel, it's not just a, you know, a, a, new, a new program that's come out. The gospel is powered by the Holy Spirit, that when you go out and you speak to someone, the Holy Spirit's speaking to them in ways that you can't. I've I've witnessed to people before, and I'm like, you know, I've never I've never uh, dealt with the things that this person's dealing with. I've never I've never had things happen to me in life that this person's dealt with, but I just preached the gospel to them and that person gives their life to Jesus. That's explain that. Explain that. I mean, let's take take a more practical level. Have you ever seen little kids come to Jesus? It makes no sense that they would even make that decision. Well, Daniel, they make it because they're parents. No, there's something else going on there. Honestly, if I tell my kids to do something, they usually do the opposite, right? Pick that up. Nah, I won't pick it up. Take the garbage out. Nah, I just won't take the garbage out. But when we preach the gospel, I believe the Holy Spirit speaks to hearts. The gospel message is a message that is powered by the Holy Spirit. And we may feel like we're completely inadequate. You are inadequate, okay? But the Holy Spirit through you makes you powerful. The Holy Spirit through you equips you with what you need to know. I like what Hudson Taylor says, the, the great missionary. He says, God's work is done God's work, let me start that one over again. (laughs) God's work done in God's way will never lack supplies. God's work done in God's way will never lack supplies. Guys, if we're, if we as a church are coming together with the gospel as that center part, everybody stay with me, okay? If the gospel is the center to who we are, if your pastor decides in his heart of hearts based on what God's telling me is that, you know what, week in and week out, we're going to make the gospel the center here. That when we do ministry, that the ministry is going to be gospel-centered. Whether it's kids, adults, whatever we're doing, the gospel is the center. If we make it the center, that's what we need to be doing because we're never going to run out of supplies. We're never going to run out of what it really takes. Because a lot of times churches, we get lost in the business side of church. And that's important. Don't get me wrong. But if we're not focusing on the gospel, it doesn't matter if our if our giving for the year is really good or really bad. It doesn't matter because the gospel is the thing that lasts forever, right? I've I've said on you know money uh, groups. I, I've been a part of financial committees. I've been a pastor all these years. I, I, I've been on business, you know. So I've, we've made business decisions. But if the gospel's not the center, and if we're not making our decisions in the gospel way, it's it's, it's for nothing, anyways. The gospel has to be the center. And it's wonderful because that message that I'm talking about, that gospel message, it's for everyone. Everyone say amen. That message that I'm talking about today, it's not just for everyone, but it's something we should be sharing with everyone. I'm talking to you, church. Be adequate by sharing the message of the gospel. And it's powered by the Holy Spirit. If, if we understand that it's powered by the Holy Spirit, we all just sit back and say, this is awesome. We're just going to let the Holy Spirit do his job, but we're going to be a part of it. We're going to be a part of it. Years and years ago, I worked for an engineering company in Oklahoma City, and uh, it was called Terracon. And what we did, we, we, uh, we did concrete testing, right? And soil testing. And we did uh, uh, asphalt testing, any kind of testing. Um, if, if Chesapeake Arena or whatever it's called now, Paycom Center, if it ever falls in, it's probably my fault because I was like one of the, the guys that inspected the place, right? Um, all the big rafters. I walked to the rafters with a with an eight-pound sledgehammer testing every one of those rivets, okay? I did that. Joni, Joni gets tired of that story because I tell it all the time. Well, when I worked for that company, it, it, I, I, it was an interesting thing happened one day. I was on a job site. Uh, I believe it was in North Oklahoma City. They were building one of those uh, those, gro- those stores. It's kind of like a grocery store and clothes that French or something, Target or something. Anyways, they were building this big old store, right? And out on this, on this, this big pad that they were building, uh, this, they had a big earth mover and I wanted so to drive that earth mover. A big D10, you know, I just wanted to drive this, this big bulldozer. It just looked like so much fun. So I went over there. I was, what's it gonna hurt? I'm gonna ask this guy. It's a Saturday, by the way. About 10 o'clock in the morning, I said, hey, can I drive this? And that guy's like, yeah, I drive it. I got to drive that big old bulldozer out there. I don't know what I was doing. I was probably tearing up whatever they'd started. But but it was an amazing thing to be able to drive that. But at one point, the guy says, here, push this button. And he kind of did some stuff on there. And he says, now take your hands off, take your feet off the pedals, just sit there. And that, that sucker drove back and forth like this because it was ran by GPS. Church, I think there's a lot of the time that we want we want to be a part of ministry and, and to be honest with you guys, I was a terrible driver. <laughs> I was no good at it. It was rough. It was, you know, it was moving all over the place, and it was chugging. It was doing all that kind of stuff. But as soon as that that power from above entered that that big piece of machinery, it was smooth going. Church, let's grasp this picture with me. The gospel is not something you have to struggle with because the Holy Spirit will power you to proclaim it. It's gonna. It's gonna. Not just be something that you say, well, I've got to go to school. I've got to go to seminary. All that stuff's really good. I spent a whole day studying the book of Ephesians with Dr. Kelly from OBU this week. You know, which, by the way, Dr. Kelly's a guy that opens up, uh, the Greek New Testament and reads it to you out of the Greek, right? Original. Crazy. I don't know how, man, I'm glad there are people that are blessed in those areas. And as cool as that is, here's the thing. What's even cooler is that God has equipped his church to go forth and to preach. God has equipped you to go forth and to preach, and God's work done in God's way it will never lack supplies. We have everything that we need today in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let the church say Amen. So, our call today, you know, going back over what we talked to, um, what we talked about this morning, this idea that the message of the gospel—it's a message for all people. It's a message of grace. So we we. We understand it's from God, it's with grace, and so we preach it with grace too, right? But it's powered by the Holy Spirit. And that call that you and I have today, turn to Romans chapter 12. We, we went over this a couple weeks ago, but, but I was reading through it again this week, and I thought, man, this is so good. Romans chapter 12, there's a whole chapter here about what the Christian walk is supposed to look like. You guys want a checklist? Go to Romans 12. Is your life looking like this? Because there's things in in chapter 12 that I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Oh, wait, no, not that one. I need to work on that one. But the writer here, he he says, I appeal to you, verse 1, chapter 12 of Romans. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. I want to stop there just for a moment. Have you guys ever heard of a sacrifice before? Right? What's, what, what's typical, what does a sacrifice typically look like? Right? You, you ever shot a deer before? The weirdest thing whenever you kill a deer, their tongue always comes out. Right? Some of you hunters are like, yeah, that's true. Uh, last year there was a, uh, we were cleaning a deer and I asked, I asked Jaron, I said, hey Jaron, what was that, what was that deer saying? And he goes, <laughs> you know typically a sacrifice has its tongue hanging out it's gone it's dead there's, there's no hope for it. it's dead right but but paul the writer here in romans what we're seeing guys is we are called to be a what a living sacrifice that tells me that we need to be a people who aren't just worried about what we have always done as a church it's not based on what we predict the church is going to do in the next year, but we're living right now in the moment and saying, God, by your grace, we're going to preach a gospel that's for all people, that's full of grace and is powered by the Holy Spirit because we're, we're giving ourselves as a living sacrifice to you. Sometimes ministry doesn't make sense. Sometimes we have to step out and do things that don't make sense. You guys stepped out for me when I came here. You're still stepping out, by the way, right? Um, and I, I my family and I, we stepped out on faith to come here. That's how grace empowers us. That's how the Holy Spirit empowers us. That's how the gospel empowers us. The the, the power of the gospel has brought you and I together to proclaim the gospel. But let's be guilty of keeping the gospel the center part of who we are. And we do that by being people who are living sacrifices, giving ourselves fully to the work of God in whatever we do. I look around here and there's so many different types of jobs. People have different jobs in here, right? Different types of lives. Wherever God's placed you, be a light there. Be a living sacrifice there. He says to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. In other words, you know what, God? I'm all in. Holy and acceptable to God. I think a lot of us, we can, we can kind of deal with the living sacrifice, but we talk about holy. We want to say, I don't know about holy because I'm not holy. People say this all the time. Well, I'm no saint. You ever heard that? I'm no saint. Actually, you are. Every time Paul wrote to the church, he said, "Fellow saints, a saint is just someone who's set apart for God. That's it. Okay. Don't let the uh, the culture that we've been kind of raised up in. We think saint means like uh, you know someone who's done like three different miracles and now they're they're sainted, right? That's not what a saint is. A saint is someone who's been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb." Holy is one of those words where we're just kind of like, oh, I don't want to be called holy because now I'm held accountable. Now I have to always act holy even when I'm driving, Daniel. I don't want to do that. Holy just means we're set apart for God. We're set apart for something. The church needs to be known as people who are set apart for the glory of God. We're not set apart to be relevant to the culture around us. We're set apart to, to stand out, right? Living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. Why? Because this is our spiritual worship. I've mentioned this uh, over the last couple of weeks and different ways and different classes we've had, but this idea of spiritual worship, it's not just coming in here and raising your hands and singing really loud, which is part, that's worship. But our act of spiritual worship is to be a living sacrifice to Jesus. That's what we're called to. It's giving in that way. It's a living sacrifice. He goes on. He says, "Do not be conformed to this world." Everybody say, "Amen, amen. guys." It is so hard to get conformed to this world. It is, I man. It's not. It's not something we're going to struggle with. It's. It's a hard thing for you and I. We're gonna. We're gonna deal with this every single day of our lives. That the world's going to want to say, "Hey, you need to be like this, or you need to be like this. You need to be. You need to be." Uh, You know, Living in this house, driving this car, you need to look this way, you need to wear these kinds of clothes, you need to be doing this with your time. Guys, we need to be looking to the Word of God as to what we need to be doing with our lives. Conform to God and not conform to the world. Living sacrifices. And we do that by the renewal of our minds. Paul later in Philippians, he says, you need to have the mind of Christ. You guys remember that? That that our minds are not... We're not basing it off of what we know. We're not basing it on what's comfortable to us, but we're basing it on the fact that Jesus has made us a new creature in him. And so we have this renewal of the mind. And so because of that, we can go forth and we can be holy and acceptable living sacrifices to God in all that we do. In all that we do. Church, I mean, it's all laid out for us here in Scripture. This is not something Daniel's came up with, by the way. Um, you know, I told you guys I sat through like eight hours or more of just <laughs> studying through the book of Ephesians only, right? Super good for like biblical nerds like myself. I loved it. You know, we're getting into the Greek, the history. We're getting into all this stuff. I loved it. Like, I'm like, oh yeah, I wanted more, right? But besides all of that, there's something even better. There's, a, there's an empowering force from the Holy Spirit for us to go out. And to bring glory to God each and every single day. If I was to talk about maybe the most powerful time you ever felt as a Christian in your life, everybody here is probably you've been a Christian long enough. There was probably a season in your life when you felt like, man, you were just doing everything you needed to do for the Lord. You guys been there before? Your prayer life was awesome. You're you're reading Scripture like you're supposed to be. You're seeing a lot of people coming to the Lord around you. Maybe there's ministries blooming. There's this going. There's that going. We all have these times in our life where we're like, you know what? If I could be a Christian like that again, that's what I would do. Maybe you're living there right now. That's great too. But the call for all of us is to jump out of the flesh and to jump into the spirit and to follow Jesus. To be a living sacrifice for Jesus today. We're not just people that just say we're Christians. Which by the way, having a little card that says you're a Baptist doesn't make you a Baptist. And it sure doesn't make you a Christian. Being someone who has history within a certain church, that doesn't make you right with God. The only thing that makes us right with God is the blood of the Lamb. It's washed us free. And those are like, those are really hard things to look at, right? Some of y'all maybe are sitting there thinking, man, he's talking about me. I'm not, I'm not really. But maybe I am. Maybe I'm talking about me. But what I do know is that the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart right now in this place. And the call for believers today is to be a living sacrifice. Maybe God's saying, you know what? It's time, it's time to step up. It's time to step up and just, you know, give more of of myself to the Lord. I think that's what God's calling. Maybe some of y'all are being called to ministry. Maybe some of y'all are being called to to being missionaries. Maybe, maybe you're being called just to, man, you're just going to be the best member the First Baptist Church in McLeod, Oklahoma, as you can be. And that's awesome. That's what we need. <laughs> that's what we need. We need all of us just to be living as a sacrifice to our Lord in everything that we do. Maybe today you don't know Christ. Maybe that's just something you're like, ah, I don't know Jesus. Now all this is kind of foreign to me. It's blah, blah, blah. It sounds like Greek or whatever. Here's what I want you to understand is that today the message of the gospel is for you. And I have no doubt that I may be going blah, 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 but the Holy Spirit's making sense to you right now. And you know without a shadow of a doubt what you need to do. You know without a shadow of a doubt what needs to happen in your life because the Holy Spirit is is enlightening you. He's opening the way for you to understand. And if we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. You guys hear that today? That message, what I love about the, the gospel is that the gospel is not something that's just for the saved. It's not just for the elect. It's not just for the, the, the holy ones or the saints within the church. The gospel is for everyone. The gospel is something that empowers you and I to go forth. It, it, it makes us the church that can go forth and to make awesome changes within this world. Does this world need a, kind of an overhaul? It does. Is the world going down? Yeah, I do believe that too. But here's the thing. I serve a God who is a God of redemption. Isn't that a wonderful? He's not just about tearing things down, but he's also about building us up. He's about, about doing what, what we need in our lives. And if you, for any reason today, if you're just being a person who, who's just maybe saying, you know what, I just, I've got too much going on right now to give my 100% to God. Understand that you're going to heaven because of what Jesus did. So we have to be people who understand the, the facts of the matter. The fact of the matter is that even myself, even you, Without the work of Jesus on the cross, we're all without hope. The best thing we can do today is to lay down our lives as a living sacrifice to God. Are you hearing that call today? I really hope that today there are some people saying, you know what, I'm going to get more serious about reading the Word of God. I'm going to get more serious about praying. I'm going to be more serious about seeing God work through me. That's what I want to, to try for. Don't neglect that. Go from this place empowered. Because remember, the gospel is what? It's powered by the Holy Spirit. You can go from here empowered. And if you don't know Jesus today, you can know him. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you. Your word is a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. Lord, I thank you for the story here that we that we read father uh, uh, and peter just he just goes to this group of people and as we as we read through that chapter it says that those people began to be filled with the holy spirit while he's preaching which tells me it really wasn't his word that did anything it was your word through him it was the work of the holy spirit that was changing lives that day thank you god for using us and for allowing us to be part of these moments but lord i thank you today that it's not powered by men It's not powered by religion, but it's powered by the Holy Spirit, the message of the gospel. Lord, today I pray that this word will go forth and do what it's intended to do. Father, I pray that you would raise your church up. Lord, I pray that you would draw all men to you. That you would draw us all to repentance and salvation today in your most holy name. Amen.